Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Sergeant First Class John Valentine. Welcome to the Veterans Be Real podcast. Here's where we try to keep it real and do our best to help all our fellow veterans out there. This podcast will hopefully open our veterans' eyes into the transition and challenges they are facing and give them some guidance along the way. Please subscribe and download our podcast. We look forward to you, your insight, and your loyalty. Thanks for listening. And now here's Veterans Be Real. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, Veteran Be Real listeners. It's Sergeant Valentine, your host, back again today. Today I have Desmond Ferris. This guy's an Air Force vet, guys. Don't hold it against him. I know there's a lot of you guys out there in the Air Force. I'm not being bad at the Air Force because the Air Force was our taxi service in the Army. They brought us everywhere we needed to go. Like the Marines have the Navy. We had the Air Force, you know, yada, yada. But Desmond is a, is a wonderful young man. We've been talking for a little while before the show started. I'm excited to have him on. I think you guys have an opportunity to learn a lot about the Air Force transition out of the out of the Air Force, and then what it was like for an Air Force guy to really jump back into the civilian sector and really jump on it and get get going in his career. So, Desmond, tell us a little bit about your time in the Air Force and where you're at now. Thank you, first first and foremost, for having me on. Um, I really appreciate everything you guys are doing. Um, you know, this is one of the uh, most uh, underserved, I think, processes in the military. Is most people talk about getting in the military, serving. One of the most underserved is when you transition out. So. Thank you. Um, appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, my background, um, I was a security forces, uh, 3PO, 5-1 to 7-1 to 5-1-B, or no, A, I can't remember. Those guys would kick my kick my butt yep. uh, for, for not remembering. But uh, initially, I signed up as a security forces journeyman um, in 2003. The day I joined was March 17th, 2003. Um, a wow. lot of people might know that day as the day uh, George Bush uh, Jr. gave Saddam a three days to get out of Iraq. Otherwise we're going to war and also St. Patrick's day. So, so so my entire time uh, while I was uh, in basic training, we were at war, Um, got to watch the news and all that stuff. And uh, my TI, who was a former security forces, uh, raised his hand. I said, how many of you guys are security forces? We're raising our hand, you know, like you guys need to pay attention because this is where you're going to spend most of your career. So uh, fast forward, first duty station was Aviano Air Base, Italy. Everybody thinks, oh, you went to Italy. It's going to be great. Yeah, sometimes the jobs aren't all I, like I just thought that. You said Italy. I'm like, nice, Italy. All right. <laughs> it can't be that bad, Italy. <laughs> yeah, until you're working, you know, six and ones and stuff. Yeah, you're working for Certain types of security and stuff, you know, fire team, you know. But uh, uh, that's when I met my, uh, my first wife. Uh, was prior. Right, uh-oh. We're on I that list. <laughs> I did the uh, the whole Marriott Tech School um, type of thing. Um, we were together, you know, the entire time I was in Italy. Then went on to my uh, second duty station, uh, which was in um, uh, Langley Air Force Base, Virginia. Uh, then I moved on not only from that wife, but from Langley, I went to uh, K-9 school that I did a retrain. I was actually trying to retrain to AFN, but um, being security forces, they wouldn't let me. So... <laughs> Uh, I got to retrain to be canine. Um, that was in 2009 and, uh, went through whole canine, uh, retraining down in San Antonio, Texas, where I became canine handler and went from there to Ellsworth, South Dakota, 
Now, wow. I was in San Antonio looking at, you know, logged on to MPF trying to find out uh, where my next duty station was going to be because, you know, I retrained, thought I was going to get a good one, and I saw SD. So I am originally grew up in San Diego because I'm a Navy brat. Yeah, um, Navy brat too, bro. My dad did yeah, so uh, I saw SD and I'm like, San Diego? We have an Air Force base in San Diego? And I'm like, no, that's that's not right. And I saw it said uh, Ellsworth. And I'm like, Ellsworth. So I did a quick Google search, you know, found I was going to South Dakota. So I was like being a uh, half black and half white. I'm like, dang, is this going to be a racist <laughs> thing? Or, you know, what's going on? I drive a Cadillac Escalade on 22-inch chrome rims, and I'm like, oh, uh, you know, newly single. So I thought I was like, oh, man, here we go. Right. So I uh, drive all the way across the United States um, to move uh, to Ellsworth, and that was my last duty station. Um, if you calculate that, I was in from 2003 to March, no, October 27th, 2010. Wow, you, no, 20, got out, you got out a couple months, couple weeks after I retired. <laughs> yeah, 20, 2000, was it 2009 or 2010? Yeah. I think it was 2010. Yeah, I retired so, 2010, October 1st, 2010, I retired. Yep, so did I. Um, I retired uh, it, with nine years and some months. Yep. Um, I used to know the exact down to the hour. Um, but that was in 2011. And then after the military, um, I had did a bunch of tours, you know, in Iraq. I did... Um, uh, in 2004, uh, C-130 had crashed in Albania. Um, I was on the recovery team uh, in Albania, so I did that. And then I also uh, did uh, Qatar, did Balad, I did K-9, you know, bomb detection, HVT roll-up, you know, all those type of cool things, um, Black Hawk riding, all that stuff. So it was fun. I miss it. Um, and then I got out. Because... <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I was separated. Um, like, unlike many, I talk about the reason I got separated was uh, PTSD. Um, it's one of the hardest things people don't tend to talk about, but it's kind of my testimony. So um, I was back my second day from Iraq, my last deployment, and I got uh, hemmed up for a DUI. And they just like normal, they send you to ADAPT and all that type of stuff. And the ADAPT counselor is like, you're not an alcoholic. You have PTSD. Uh, you should be um, getting treatment instead of, you know, trying to figure out step programs and stuff like that. Right. Um, so I went through the whole like med board process. They sent me to a PTSD clinic down in um, Colorado Springs for a month. And they determined that it behooved me. I served enough for my country and retired me. So. I was medically retired for PTSD, um, amongst other things. And when I got out, I was like, hey, I, uh, I did audio all my life, making beats and stuff like that. I'm always, I was always the guy that deployed with, you know, speakers and beat machines and stuff like that. So I said, I'm going to give myself until uh, I'm 35 to be doing something in audio professionally, you know, mixing big records and stuff. So I, I started going to school like NAU, National American University. You know, it's one of those military ones, kind of like yep. Maryland and uh, started some of my gen eds. I had started and stopped so many classes while I was in the military because every time I would get deployed. Right. But by the time I finished my my first degree, I had like 30 more credits than I needed or something like that. Yeah. So um, I started at NAU, met my second wife while we were in. She's security forces as well. I had vowed I would never get married to another military member, let alone another security forces member. 
but uh, we just celebrated our 10 year anniversary this year. So that's great. Um, met her and I was out. So she was really uh, uh, one of my support structures. She drove me to the PTSD clinic in Colorado Springs, was there for me when I got out, all that stuff. So I was like, this woman's a ride or die for me, you know, plus, you know, we deployed together. So I was like, okay, you know, uh, so I proposed, um, got married, uh, January, 2011, January 7th, 2011. So I can never forget seven eleven. Right, um, <laughs> and then, I'm good. and then we welcomed our first kid, my daughter, uh, what was that? That was, um, September 5th, 2012. Wow. And that's when I started my first degree program. So I started my first degree program, which was, um, audio production. Uh, in audio engineering uh, at the uh, Art Institute of Virginia or Art Institute of Washington, which was in Ar- uh, Roslyn, Virginia, Arlington. Um, I graduated cum laude and all that stuff. Um, and while I was there, I tended to always receive things quicker. So I would teach classes, you know, alongside the teachers, you know, because I picked up audio stuff real quick because I've been doing it 10 plus years already. Um, from that uh, I was talking to my voc rehab counselor and this was one of three I had at the time. And he said, I don't know why they let you sign up for these programs. You'll never be employable. And I said, okay, just watch. So I finished that degree program and got a, uh, my bachelor's in um, art and audio production, audio engineering. And I still had eligibility because the post 9-11 GI bill had got signed in. Thank the Lord. Um, so I went to, um, Omega Recording Arts Applied School in Rockville, Maryland, because they had like bigger recording consoles, record, record uh, big, you know, um, artists and stuff. So wanted to learn from those type of engineers and stuff. Right. Um, from there, I left because I felt like I was wasting my benefits because they started me over and I was learning stuff I had already learned in my undergrad. Right. Plus, you know, losing $700 a month on your GI Bill because you're outside of that DC, Maryland, Virginia area. <laughs> so Ouch, yeah. it, you're like, is it beneficial? Um, <clears throat> so after that, while doing that, I was working at the Pentagon, um, at the Pentagon Library and Conference Center as a um, AV VTC technician. So that's basically, it was doing sipper nipper Zooms before Zoom and all this stuff became, you know. I need, yeah. I need. So uh, I would go and set up those rooms and stuff like that. I was working at the Pentagon, um, was running into people I served with that were now master sergeants and seniors and stuff like that. And it was good until the girl who got hired next to me was making more than I was. And she was getting her master's degree. And I was sitting there watching Netflix, waiting to get a call on, you know, in the room. And I'm like, what am I doing? So I decided I was going to go back and get my master's degree because I enjoyed teaching. So I went to American University, got my master's degree in audio technology, um, and fin- I would have finished in a year, but because of its yellow ribbon program stuff, it actually took me a little longer because of funding. So I finished my master's degree in a year and a half. Nice. I wrote my master's thesis on something that was close to my heart, which was um, uh, audio production as a therapeutic method for post-traumatic stress syndrome. Um, which I had a breakthrough this last year on that. So, um, but I started my second de- degree program and I just happened to have a second kid. So every time I started a degree program, I had a child. So um, I had my son, 
uh, December, no, August 15th, 2015, a few days before my birthday. And at the same time, before I was finishing up my master's degree, I ended up getting uh, the gig as a senior audio engineer for NASA television in D.C. That's awesome. At the same time, I was also teaching. I went back to my undergrad and I was teaching as an adjunct professor in audio production at the Art Institute. So I was teaching audio production. I was a senior audio engineer for NASA television, which is why I left the Pentagon. And at the same time, I started my business in 2015. Now, my business kind of went dormant for a little while because, you know, it's like I was working two jobs, plus being a dad and all that stuff. And I was I was figuring all the business plans and all that stuff out at that time, you know, that they tell you, you know, boots to business and all that stuff that they say, hey, go check this out. Um, and then I was working for NASA television when I finally got my business certified to bid on, or I got it, Sam registered. So I was uh, registered to where I could bid on government contracts. Um, since I didn't owe on my master's degree, cause I used my GI bill, cause I still had eligibility. Um, I didn't have any loans to have to repay. So it was, I was kind of more on the free and clear side of it. So I started my business, was working towards it and was like, Oh, I'm a veteran, you know, I already found how hard it was to get a job, but I was like, oh, no business. It should be much easier. So I can go get an SBA loan and all that stuff. And yada, yada, yeah, no, that wasn't the case. Excuse me. So um, I was like, how am I going to fund this business of doing audio, um, which could be very expensive, <clears throat> you know, between microphones and all kinds of other stuff. And also at the same time, be a full-time father and support for my family. Cause I was, my wife was still going to school at the same time. So I kept working two jobs, you know, doing the teaching thing at night. And then I would go from Monday to Thursday. I'd leave my house at like five 45 and I'd get back home roughly about 10, 15. So my kids had already been asleep and I did that for about an entire year at the same time, dealing with all the PTSD stuff that we normally deal with as veterans. Right. <laughs> so um I was at NASA and I finally got my company uh certified to bid on government contracts and while at NASA I was producing uh NASA podcast I was producing live um production ENG stuff so I was doing everything that you could do audio wise in the business besides music stuff I was doing at NASA television and I was doing like six audio jobs so when the contract was coming up for renewal. I was like, Hey, I'm going to ask for more money because it was a new company. They made us re-interview for our jobs and stuff like that. And I was like, I'm doing six audio jobs. You know, you guys never, they never have an issue with me not being there. I travel all the time, you know, to the space launches and stuff. I'm asking for more money. And they told me, no, they gave me my annual increase. and said, well, we can't really, you know, bump you up. So I said, okay, no problem. And I actually went back and forth about if I even wanted to take the new offer. But I had a mentor that was in the office that said, Desmond, why not take the offer and then just look for something else so that you're still getting paid. You're still paying the bills and all that stuff. I said, well, you know what, for being an old guy, you really make sense. <laughs> so I had took the job, but before I had took it, I had already put my um, resume and stuff out there. And since I had been producing podcasts for NASA, I um, put in for a podcast producer job for stars and stripes, the newspaper. 
because they were looking for a podcast producer. So I put in for that, did the initial interview. They asked me to put some gear list together because they were trying to, you know, retrofit their studio. And I did it quickly, saved them like $3,000 on the budget and got it to them like three hours after they asked for it. So, or three hours from the time they asked for it. So um, they're like, we're really interested, you know, come up with some pitches for podcasts. I was like, all right, no problem. I did that. And they hired me. So, but I'm sitting here waiting for an offer letter, like most jobs. And instead of an offer letter, I got um, a NAF contract. And I went to my um, office of small business at NASA friend. And I was like, this is a contract. You know, it's not an offer letter. It's like, yeah, it doesn't. This is your first like official contract. And I was like, what do I do? And they're like, well, first ask them to put it in your business's name. One and two, ask for travel budget and ask for an increase over the year, you know, standard stuff with contracts. I'm like, oh, okay. So I got the travel budget, didn't get the increase because it was a fixed fund fund uh, contract, but that was my first government contract. So that was a three-year podcast production deal, which at the end of it, all said and done was a quarter million dollars. Nice. That didn't suck. Yeah, it didn't suck. Uh, So it was about 75K a year, had never had anything like that. So the hardest thing I ever had to do was leave NASA because not only was it a great job, but it was family, which I still work with them. But being the type of uh, person I am on the way out, I was like, you guys are going to need somebody in my like skill level because I already know one person isn't enough for this job. So not only was I able to put somebody that I knew could do the job in that position, um, I also secured a contract with them so that whenever they needed um, additional support or assistance, they would always reach out to my company, which would be me. Right. So I held now I still have, hold that contract with NASA Television to assist in any uh, additional projects or anything they need. So okay. I got to work with 50th and all that type of stuff. And so I started contracting as uh, Stars and Stripes. I did that for two years. We started the um, Force for Hire podcast with my co-host, Michelle Harvin. And then we did the, um, um, that was Force for Hire. And then we, we did Military Matters. That was me with the new co-host, Rod Rodriguez, which right. uh, is, he's still doing that now. Um, so I did that for two years, but then Stars and Stripes was up for defunding. It wasn't that my style. I wanted to tell more stories, like personal stories, not necessarily newsy stuff, you know, that was hard hitting. So um, upon leaving there, I secured another podcast production um, contract with uh, the Department of State. Um, educational cultural aware affairs. Now this whole time, this is during when COVID hit. So prior to COVID really hit uh, right after COVID initially hit, um, I had did an interview with um, general John Hopper for the air force aid society, which is similar to the AER army um, emergency relief fund and all the uh, relief societies throughout uh, our military branches. And I interviewed him for stars and stripes about what they were doing for COVID and I told him at the end of the day, I said, why don't you guys have a podcast? You guys are already having a, probably a hard time reaching people now because it's not as much in person. And, you know, with everything going on, you know, it'd be a good way to, you know, spread, you know, the whole pitch about why the podcasting would be important for them. Right. They signed off. They wanted to do it. So we did the initial season of Airmen Helping Airmen. That was the first season. So I was producing that podcast. I was producing, uh, starting to produce the Department of State's podcast as well as stars and stripes finishing up 
So that's three podcasts. And then I was on the first season. So it's like a whole, whole bunch of stuff, a production of podcasting. Um, and we renewed with Air Force Aid Society in last year. We renewed for season two and three. And we're going to start right. season three. Um, that's what I was actually on that call before I got on this one. So there you go. Um, and doing that as well as producing um, the first season of uh, the Department of State's uh, podcast of Voices of Exchange. Um, I'm more of a technical producer on that, you know, making sure like the streams and the recording and the mixing and all that stuff and the distribution and, you know, analytics and all that stuff. Um, but I never wanted to be a podcast person. And I still didn't necessarily want to be a podcast person. It's just I fell into it and I'm good at editing. I'm good at audio. I'm good at talking to people. So that's kind of how I just fell into that. But everything I did prior to this, prior to where I am now, getting my degrees, knowing my um, knowing my uh, what was due to me being a veteran, you know, advocating for veterans um, rights, veterans, um, um, you know, like our um, what do you call it? Oh my gosh. Our what's our dues, you know? So, like, you know, all the comp and pens and all that stuff, right? So, knowing the programs, because before I got out, um, one thing somebody told me was make sure you know what you what you deserve, what you're supposed to get, and you know, how long, and et cetera, et cetera. So, um, so I've been doing that, helping a lot of friends, you know, after they separated you know, making sure that they're getting the comp and pen done correctly, making sure, you know, if I can connect them with somebody for work, you know, basically doing the right thing. And by doing that, it's just kind of pushed me on this progression to keep growing and growing my company. You know, the pandemic wasn't really a hard hit on me and my company. It actually caused more work and headache for me because um, a lot of people were trying to do the stuff I was already doing that I learned at NASA. So like doing remote interviews, at a broadcast or high quality. We were doing that for NASA because we go down to these launches in remote places, you know, doing engineering for long form, short form, being able to put music together, edit stuff together, you know, all that type of stuff. Um, over the past, what, five to seven years I've been doing. So it just all culminated and it just keeps growing. Um, and the hardest part of all of that was uh, the imposter syndrome, one, and two, the um, funding, you know, to do all the stuff, you know, when you know you have a capability to grow and do things better, but you don't have those funds, yep. um, it gets very frustrating. So that's kind of how I got to where I am. Um, plus, having a good group of uh, mentors around me that I play golf with. Um, so my accountant, you know, mentors, um, having a great mentor at NASA Television, who I still talk to that are like brothers. And at the same time, you know, meeting new and young people when I was teaching, were keeping my ear to the ground about what's new and happening in all these different, you know, genres and stuff. So that's kind of how I got to where I am now. Um, I miss teaching. I miss being in the military because of the family stuff. Um, now I, I keep to myself too much because I'm always working. But, uh, you know, one of the things about the military is even if you're working a lot, like whether deployed or in garrison or whatever, you always had like a, that group of friends, that group, two or three people that you always were connected to. And as a civilian, I kind of don't have that anymore, but I have my family. So um, I tell people uh, my story is going from a PTSD, PTSD clinic to being a CEO, um, doing six figures in five years. I think I 
pretty successful. I don't like to use the word successful. I'm pretty accomplished. So um, I've accomplished a lot and I still got a lot to go. Yeah. And it's exciting, man. I mean, to hear that story and to know that you know, there's guys that are like you and me that both got out of the military, had PTSD issues, had some struggles with that alone. Because even though we didn't get into too much detail about your struggles with PTSD, we all out there that have PTSD know what the struggles are. So you don't really need to get in. That's how I look at it. We don't need to get in definition with each other. We just know we're going through the same shit. So that's what I tell people all the time. Just know there's other people, there's other brothers and sisters out there that are going through it with you. So just remember that when you're having a bad day or something's going wrong. But so talk to us a little bit about, about your business directly. Like, How do we reach your business? How do we find out about what you're doing? Where do we go? Who do we talk to? Is there somebody out there, whatever? If somebody was interested in getting into the audio world, uh, maybe you're the guy to talk to. So how do we get hold of you? So um, my email, of course, uh, Desmond, D-E-S-M-O-N dot Ferris at makingallknownent.com or um, info at makingallknownent.com. Um, those are primarily ways to get a hold of me. I had the whole website up and all that stuff, you know, but it just became a pain to really maintain because I wasn't getting my work that way. I get most of my work through referrals or people like a lot of referrals because it's like, oh, I know this person that knows this person, or I keep my eye out and somebody says I want this, so I send my info. So I'm really a, a more of a boutique esque type company, but I'm always looking to help people along. So like one of my big pushes going forward is to initiate and establish um, a, in a sense, like a retreat for military veterans that want to do something in the arts so that I can help facilitate utilizing um, my um, therapeutic method that I created from my master's degree, you know, audio production for PTSD, you know. And one of the biggest things I found out after doing all this podcast production and stuff was how much of this podcasting is a therapeutic method on top of that if you do the production part and all this other stuff you know with my three step phase stuff so um i've been working on that um i want to start my doctorate program i'm 38 i'm 38 yeah i'll be 38 this year um i, I forget but I forget i'll be 38 this year and um i want to start my doctorate program so my my bachelor's was uh my bachelor's degree was for um for my mom my master's degree was for my kids my doctorate is for me but but, and i still have eligibility left on my gi bill yeah well use it don't like (laughs) so the only problem with that is every time i start a degree program i have a kid i'm I'm liking this two to two one to one ratio well they they make they make a thing and they're called (laughs) yes yes it's the case you know i'm just saying you know Um, but but, but you know what it also might be the trigger that helps you get through those things you got to look at it that way i mean you had a kid but then you got through both of those levels so you might have to have and the phd is gonna be the hardest level you went through right so you might need that you might need that focus like damn i got another one now i gotta work even harder so i can take care of three kids instead of two but hey man you you gotta look that talk to the wife (laughs) just talk to the wife yeah i know right plan and she, 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 she's busy, so. yeah, she, she's sure. busy. Uh, she's arms and county sheriff's deputy so uh you know we, we we're still law enforcement heavily in our family we you know yeah. we support you know all that stuff but one of the biggest things is um when you talked about ptsd and dealing <clears throat> excuse me and dealing with all this stuff um i've been invoked myself so much into my work that if i'm not working or feeling distressed because you know you got use stress and de-stress if i'm not feeling some type of stress I feel stagnant. 
And I can see by our conversation we had prior, all the companies you're doing, you kind of utilize it in the same way I do. I'm like you, man. I got to keep my brain going a thousand miles an hour so that I keep that activity that, because like I'm the type of guy with my PTSD and not not to, I'm sure you're the same way or you have to, like I I have, I get afraid to go to sleep because I know Mm -hmm. my brain is going to slow down and then nightmares are going to come or things are going to come to my brain that I don't want to think about anymore. So I'm one of those guys that stays up till two in the morning, goes to sleep at two thirty, gets up at five thirty. You know what I mean? Yep. I don't want to sleep a long time. I just want to sleep enough that my body can recover a little bit and get up. Uh, and I keep, like I said, I got five companies that I run. Plus, I just picked up another company that I'm. They want me to be the CEO of because they need my guidance and my 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 mentorship and my. So they want me to come in, basically mentor the company to get it moving in the right direction. Then I can step away, but they they want me to come in and help them out. So, but that's how my, me and my wife do it. Cause my wife's not military. She's a civilian. You know, I met her after I got my, I'm on my third wife. You're only on two, so you're all right. I'm a little bit ahead of you, but I'm done after this. I, 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 I am yeah. done too. This, this is the right one. I'm good now. But, um, but she has been a, a rock for me. And I know how that, that alone has probably changed the whole direction of my life. Because when I found that partner that, and I don't care what kind of partner you, as long as you got a partner, it doesn't matter. You know, I'm not one of those guys that care about who your partner is, but, but once you find that other person that can be that partner with you, and that's actually your, your equal in the way you look at them that way. And you, they're your rock. It really makes it easy for guys like us that have PTSD that have all these other things. And my wife understands it now she's learned it. We've gone to a uh, retreat together. So she kind of got a little bit more insight on really what I'm dealing with. And she actually heard me talk about things I've never heard. She's never heard me talk about before because in that environment, I opened up a little bit more in front of her. And I never told her about it. I was a medic in the army. So I saw all the dirty, nasty, you know, the bad stuff. Right. Oh yeah. So when she heard me tell that stuff, I mean, I saw it in her face. Like she was like shocked, but then also I could see that she, it, it started to click with her. Why I go through and have, I have night terrors and I have problems in spit and it clicked. And then all of a sudden now she's even more supportive. Like in bed, she makes sure I'm as comfortable as I can be when I lay down. She's always doing whatever to, to recalm me down. Like she'll rub my head or whatever to just, but you see what I'm saying? So, I mean, for us, for me, guys like me and you that have that situation, finding that partner, that rock that gives you, not only that, I do everything. I do all these jobs. I'm doing that for my kids and my wife to make sure that they, we have a legacy. Exactly. You know what I mean? You do those things. So it gave me, because a, a lot of problems that a lot of soldiers run into is when we get out of service, because even you even said it, we lose our sense of purpose because we don't, we don't have that brotherhood anymore. We don't have the camaraderie anymore. It's not, the civilian sector is just not like that. I, I've had civilian jobs since I got out and, them jokers are all nice to you at work, but as soon as work's over, they're like, see ya. And they don't give a shit what you do. You know what I'm saying? Whereas, and right at five o'clock, right at five o'clock is done. It's like, Oh, Hey, Bye. see you tomorrow. Bye. And that's it. That's as much, but see in the army or in the military, those guys are the guys you go hang out after work or whatever. Don't you go, it stayed kind of in the family. Right. And we all had that in the military. Cause like you said, like you deploy with people when you get back, you, that doesn't go away. Well, those experiences you had over there, you shared with them are there forever. And then civilian sector, people just don't grasp that. And that's what the big thing I tell on this podcast with the people listening, the active duty guys listen to this. I said, listen, there is nothing that will ever replace the camaraderie and the brotherhood, sisterhood that you had while you were in the military. There's not a civilian job, not even being a police officer is the same thing as being a soldier or an airman or a Marine or a sailor or a Coast Guard. It's not because... I mean, the police officers are probably the closest thing to it just because their lives are at risk every day when they go to work, just kind of like our lives when we were deployed were at risk the whole time we were over there. So, you're, you know, you got to stay alert because you're keeping your battle buddies alive behind you or in front of you, whatever. So 
different, you know, and, and I tell people this all the time about the military when they ask me about the military, because I don't really talk about the military that much unless people ask me. I don't like, I'm not one of those guys that wear a veteran hat and I don't need no yeah, attention. I'm not that guy either. Yeah, I don't need that attention. I don't want that attention either. <laughs> but if somebody asks me to get into it, I'll tell them about it. And I tell them, and what I tell people is this, the hardest thing about transitioning is learning how to be a civilian again. Because see, the Army, the military does a great job of sending you through basic training and breaking you down and then building you back up into what they want you to be as a soldier or an airman or a Marine or whatever, right? What they don't do a good job of is when you're getting ready to get out and send you to the same type of thing, like a basic training to teach you how to be a civilian and really take you to that level and say, now you got to learn about this. You got to learn about this because these are, you're going to have to deal with, like. I went to a two day class. I had a two day class. That's, yeah, all, that's, that's all we get, right? I'm like, I've, I've gone to my congressman here in Texas and I've taught him. I said the military as a whole owes it to the military, owes it to every soldier, airman. Every, they owe it to all of us that went through military time that before we get out, they have like a reverse basic training. They call it basic, basic integration. So we're ready to go from being a soldier, airman. Because like, you know, people came and taught my whole career. I was a senior NCO in the Army. People went to parade rest when they talked to me. They didn't just walk up and talk to me all willy nilly like they were, we were equals and shit. We're in the civilian world. A 19-year-old kid will walk up to me and a fucking play and talk to me like we're equals. And I'm looking at this motherfucker like, what? You know what I'm saying? Who are you? So, and it took a long time for my brain to understand and comprehend that. It took me, just took me, it took me like seven, eight years before I really got an understanding of how the civilian side works. And that's the challenge that me and guys like you that have PTSD really run into because our fuses are a lot shorter. You know, I don't have that big long fuse that I can listen to that 19-year-old kid for more than five seconds and I want to punch him in his face or throat punch him or some shit, you know, like shut up, idiot. So I tell guys all the time that, so if you guys are out there listening, you're active duty right now. First of all, thank you for your service and doing what you're doing for the military and doing what you're doing for our country. But second is when you start to plan to get out, we talked about this during the transition episodes is make sure you have a plan. You heard Desmond. I mean, this guy got out, he had PTSD and he, he realized it, focused on it. And then he said, okay, I'm going to, and then he went to school. He kept his brain moving. He kept doing things to make himself better. He didn't just sit down and sulk and, and say, oh, poor me. He said, how can I make my, I can get educated. I can, I really like audio stuff. I'm going to get into this. I'm going to do this. And he did it. And that's where you have, you have to take that focus. Like you were a soldier and, and, and focus it in on what you want to get done and take that for granted. Cause now Desmond, like you, said, you heard him say six figures, right? So it took him a little while to get there, but he got there because he put the work in. he put the, you know, when he got his mattress and he went and got his mattress. Now the guy is going to be a doctor pretty soon. He's going to be, <laughs> then I'm about to call him Dr. Desmond. And she's I know. Right. Him. But that's the beauty of our country and what, what our service has allowed for us to do. So I want to thank you, Desmond. I mean, that you're, it's an amazing story you shared. Um, trials, tribulations are, are challenging enough. But to know there's more brothers out there like you that have gone through the PTSD thing and you're big, you've become successful, that's really what I'm trying to do this show for. So everybody out there listening, no matter if you have PTSD or not, when you get out of the military, you can be successful. It's about putting your mind in the right mindset and taking that charge and focus and getting to where you want to get. Cause you got your bachelor's degree. Then you got your master's because that's what you wanted. No one told you you had to do that, but you're looking around all these people. How the hell is she making more money than me? Well, shit, dude, what? So let me go get a master's degree so I can make as much money as she's making or whatever. And that got you focused and got you on a target. And now you're talking about, let me go get my PhD. So everybody's got to call me Dr. Desmond. <laughs> so everybody's got to respect that. And that's what I'm talking about. But and soldiers and airmen and, and Marines and sailors, we all deserve that because we all wrote a check and we were willing to cash our lives in for our country so that our people that live here can live the way they live the rest of their lives and not worry about living like they live in Afghanistan or Iraq. Cause I'm telling you, uh, everybody out there listening, if you're a civilian out there listening, you've never been to a third world country and see how they live. 
you'll never understand the benefit of living in this country. You'll just never understand it because there's not a spot in America that looks like Iraq. There's, there's not a spot in America that looks like Afghanistan because our country doesn't allow that. It's not perfect. Don't get me wrong. Our country is not perfect. We got a lot of idiots in charge of things. <laughs> our country is not perfect, but it's set up to be the type of country that we can all have those freedoms to do those things. So we just have to hold people accountable in leadership positions and make people accountable. But that's another story. But Desmond's been on here. He's, he's great. And like I said, an Air Force veteran. And you can see the level of where he is and where he's at now because of who he was in the military. And as a security force, it's basically for all you out there to know that it's basically an MP. Uh, it's a, a military police officer that has specialty. Specialty. They're they're a little bit more intense than the the basic, you know, MP guy. But the whole point is, he had a very important job in the Air Force. He got through the situation, did nine years. His PTSD got too heavy. And they they medically retired the guy. That happens. But he took advantage of the situation. Used his GI Bill. Put himself. Found his, his second wife. They found he found his part. The right person. Now he's got two kids, probably going to have a third once he starts school. <laughs> but he's on the right path, right? So we can all get through this together. And, of course, Damon's also in the vet tribe. He's done he's done, he's a lot of social media. or He's on social – so you can find him. You can talk to him. You can reach out to him. He already gave us his email address, which will later on be in the show notes. Yep. If you want to reach out to Desmond and find out, hey, if you're into, like, what he's into, audio, and you want to do – podcast. now, listen, I run a podcast. I'm going to tell you right now, the pandemic, a lot of people got into podcasting because they couldn't do a lot of what they just said. They wanted to reach people. And the easy way to reach people is you put on a podcast. And I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't cost a lot to start a podcast, probably about three, 400 bucks to buy all the equipment. And that's if you get just the stuff to do the job, not the expensive stuff. But And then it's another maybe hundred bucks to get a site to help you load it up and get it all ready. And then, you know, it cost me about 800 bucks to get my podcast going. And, and you can do all that stuff with your phone. And you literally can do it all now with your phone. It's honestly it's there. And I'm using a computer right now, but literally I could have done this on the phone. But guys like Desmond are out there to help you help build that business. So if you're interested and you want to start a podcast and talk about what you did in the military and you're now you got a guy you can reach out to from the podcast to help you figure out how to get it started because he's got experience. You heard him. He runs two podcasts. He's a host on podcasts. He edits them. He does all the audio. So he's got more tricks and trades than anybody does. It. So that's great. So pay attention to the show notes. Check it out. Go reach out to Desmond if you're interested in that stuff. Desmond, I want to say thank you for being on the show, brother. And thank you again for your service, my man. And, and no one can count for the sacrifices that we make as soldiers, airmen, veteran, or veterans, Marines, Navy, sailor, no one can really account for that unless they actually walked in our boots, right? So, you know, me and you both had time in Afghanistan, Iraq. I was in both. I deployed six times. You know, I only, hit, I only hit Iraq. I only hit Iraq. I didn't hit Iraq. Afghanistan. Iraq, Afghanistan, Kuwait, Bosnia, Kosovo. I mean, I was all over the place. But the point is, we've all walked in the same dirt because yep. we've all been in the same, the same type of location and understand what it's like and why we all get to where we get to. So I want to say thank you, brother. And I can I add one thing? Can I add one thing before we go? There's only there's only there's two two things that I, I will say. I don't care who you are, listening, active duty, retiree, old, young, you know, if it's for your kids, reach out to me. Like I'm always, I will always reply to an email. Don't call email. Uh, <laughs> you know, reach out to me, and I'll take the time to try to help you because that's my that's my charge. I will help you. And always remember, there's only two things we control in this world. How we react to something and what we do about it. That's that's it. Everything else around us is is not in our control. You know that it's going to happen. That person is going to do that. We How we react to something, what you do about it. And yes, you could re react poorly or you can react in the right way. But at the end of the day, just keep moving, keep talking. And, and, and don't forget that I'm here. I'm here for you regardless. So um, 
Now, I'm not necessarily free all the time, but I will help and I will always give you the best resources or, or um, things possible for you to, to succeed because I believe everybody should succeed. And I say succeed because I don't believe in the word success. I believe in accomplishments you because go. you're constantly continuing to work if you're saying you're accomplished. So be accomplished, be great, and uh, reach out to me. Yeah, and I ain't mad at that. And listen, everybody already knows, but when it comes to me and Sergeant Valentine, blah, you reach out to us through our podcast, through our website, through our Facebook page, whatever. If you need any help and you're struggling with anything, reach out. Desmond just said you can reach him. You definitely know you guys all can reach me, and I'm going to respond to you. I'm going to reach out. I will find you assistance. I don't care what state you're in, what country you're in. I have resources because I run a nonprofit too, so I already have resources. So I can find things for you wherever you're at to help you get through the situation you might be in. Desmond's willing to do the same thing. Most real veterans, and I say this from the standpoint of most soldiers, airmen, Marines, Navy guys who've served their country and seen combat or seen the negative side of life are always going to be there for you because they were there too. So they understand what you might be going through. And none of us judge you. We're not, it's not about judging you for your situation. It's about helping you get through your situation and making you open your eyes to see how you can get through it next time on your own. That's my goal for you is to help. I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to help you and I'm going to make sure you're okay. And then I'm going to show, hopefully it taught you a way to manipulate through that situation next time it happens. Right? So Desmond said it, I'm saying it, reach out to one of us if you need help for with, with whatever you got problems with and we'll see what we can do to help you because you're a veteran and you're our brother or sister and we're going to help you just because that's what we do. So again, Desmond, thanks for being on, brother. It's been a great show. Thank you. It's my first podcast. It's actually the first podcast I've been a guest on. I've worked on so many podcasts, but I've never been a guest. Well, today is your popping your cherry. (laughs) Yes, sir. If you ever need me to be on your show, just reach out. I'll be there. So, uh, but like I said, I'll get you the audio and everything for the show and the flyer here built out this week, and I'll get everything to you so you know when you release it, so you can hear it and you can promote it for your for your business, so they know you're going to be on the show. Definitely. And if you if you need any follow up or anything, let me know. If if oh, I yeah. didn't say the story just right, I can always. Not, yeah. Trust me, I, I'm the king of retakes. Anything from me, just let me know. Um, plus, any of your other stuff, let me know. I. I you know, if you need help with gear, I'm a tech. I'm a tech guy. So yeah, I might, I might actually reach out to you because I mean, <laughs> I'm kind of the whole podcast part of it. So this is this is the, the setup right now. Oh yeah, you're it's all a mess right now. That's the ten thousand dollar vocal booth and all that stuff. And then I got cameras and all that stuff. I run a comic book business on the side as well because I enjoy comic books. So I actually funded my company by selling my twenty six thousand dollars worth of comic books in one year. So on nice. Facebook live streaming. Nice. So well, it, I will definitely reach out, brother. Definitely. I appreciate you having me on. And then anytime, just let me know. And I'm there, you know, so appreciate it. Thanks. Well, that's a wrap, everyone. Hope you all got something out of this podcast today. Please tell a battle buddy about us and stay tuned for our upcoming podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at www.veteransbereal.com. Support us because we got your back. Till next time, everyone. I'm out of here.